Welcome to our weekly podcast. As we begin a new series, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34 will be our primary text over the next two weeks, but we'll also be branching out to other passages as well. Thursday, September 16th, 2021 started out like any other day. If you don't already know, Thursdays are chapel day here at OCC. At 10 a.m., all of our Christian chapel daycare kids come into the sanctuary for a time of worship, and then we have a short message that one of our awesome volunteers shares. Chapel day is always a blast. When the service ended, we said goodbye to all the kids, and then my wife, who helps lead the worship each week, took our boys to the YMCA. I started reorganizing the chairs because the kids do such a great job at moving them all over the place when they're singing and dancing. And then I was going to head to lunch. Well, out of nowhere, it's like someone flipped a switch in my body. I got a bad headache. My chest started hurting and my skin turned red and was actually hot to the touch. I thought I was having a heart attack. I'd never experienced anything like this. So I told Angie, who was working in the office that day, that I was going to go to the ER. When I got there, they said they wanted to do a CT scan and then an EKG if the CT came back with good results. So we did the scans and everything came back great. Before the doctor let me go, he asked me about my job, specifically if I had been feeling stressed out or anxious about anything. I thought about his question and my answer was yes. Back in September, there were a lot of changes happening in the church And I was preaching a series on parenting at the time. Uh, The sermon for that week was actually on the topic of motherhood, something that I felt extremely unqualified to talk about, and a message that definitely brought a lot of anxiety throughout the preparation. After sharing these things with the doctor, he told me that he thought I was just under a lot of stress. He encouraged me to use my time off to do things that would bring rest and help take my mind off of the things that are outside of my control. When I got back into the office, I decided to get on truthforlife.com. This is one of my favorite online ministries to see if they had any resources on the topic of anxiety. I found a 31-day devotional that I decided to purchase so that I could learn more about what God's word says about the topic and how we can overcome those moments or seasons with God's help. You know, I don't experience deep anxiety very often, at least not in a way that affects my day-to-day life. Learning more about anxiety through the lens of Scripture has really helped change my perspective on those times when I do. Maybe you can relate to one or more parts of my story. Maybe not. But regardless, we all struggle with various forms of anxiety at different times. For you, anxiety might be mild worry or it might be full-blown panic. I think most people tend to fall somewhere in between. Regardless of what your anxiety looks like, God's word is alive and active. God wants to use his word to speak truth and peace into your mind and heart. In fact, scripture directly addresses the anxious heart in a number of helpful ways. And that's what I want to talk about over the next two weeks. What is anxiety? How does it distract us and weigh us down? And how does God promise to meet us right where we're at, offering hope and healing in the midst of our struggles? It's helpful for us to learn more about how honestly God's word addresses this part of the human experience and how it sheds light on the effect that anxiety has on our physical, emotional, and most importantly, our spiritual health. 
In the Old Testament, men like Jacob, one of Isaac's sons and the father of Joseph, recognized the impact that our emotions can have on us. Jacob feared the possibility of premature death as a result of deep sadness and pain. He thought his son Joseph was dead and believed that his sadness and pain would go with him into the afterlife. We read about this in Genesis 37, 42, and 44. God's word also records several examples of the opposite happening. Times when anxiety was caused by physical suffering or persecution. The author of Psalm 102 pleaded with God to listen to him in the midst of his suffering, which was not a result of sin, but was a side effect of distress. Psalm 102 verses 1 through 5 says, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea. Don't turn away from me in my time of distress. Bend down to listen and answer me quickly when I call to you. For my days disappear like smoke and my bones burn like red hot coals. My heart is sick, withered like grass, and I've lost my appetite. Because of my groaning, I'm reduced to skin and bones. This section of scripture is part of a prayer from someone who was overwhelmed with trouble. This was a person pouring his heart out to God. And the chapter continues in much the same way for 28 verses. Job is another example of this. As a result of losing almost everything in his life, he experienced deep anxiety. In Job chapter 3 verse 26, he said, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Have you ever experienced anxiety like this? In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote about experiencing burdens that were beyond his strength. And we're going to look at one of these examples later on in the message. But it doesn't take much imagination to see how Paul's anxiety, his mental suffering, was a direct result of his physical suffering. In week one of our series on friendship, I said, not only is your physical body custom made by God, but so is your emotional makeup. And this means that every mental or emotional struggle you experience can be an opportunity for God to develop your faith. And this was shared in the context of growing our friendships, but it's also true when it comes to experiencing anxiety. Regardless of the degree to which you experience it, God can use even your anxieties to develop your faith. We don't always know why we experience these things, but my prayer is that you would see clearly how God promises to meet us right where we're at, regardless of what we go through. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. A verse like this needs little explanation. Anxiety in our hearts weighs us down, weighs us down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But there's something that lifts us up and makes us glad. The writer of this proverb tells us that the antidote to our anxiety is a good word, whether from God in scripture or from a faithful friend. In this series, we're going to focus on the good words or the healing words of scripture and how God's word brings peace in the midst of pain. So let's turn our attention to God's word. We'll start in Matthew chapter 6. This is our primary text for this series. And then we'll jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, Matthew records the words of Jesus. And this is what we read. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This wonderful passage begins with the word, therefore. And I've said in the past, anytime we see this word, it's good to ask ourselves the question, what's it there for? Well, in the previous section of scripture, Jesus encourages listeners to store up treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. He said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then we get to the therefore in Matthew 6, verse 25. So our relationship with money and material possessions can certainly be a source of anxiety in our lives. I think we all understand that. But in the passage that we're focusing in on today, Jesus broadened the illustration of what can cause anxiety. Over the past few years, I've noticed that people are becoming more comfortable talking about anxiety. However, how we define it and seek to understand it seems to be all over the map. It's like trying to nail jello to a wall. When we see anxiety mentioned or experienced in Scripture, it's clearly an emotion, but it's also more than just a feeling. It often includes a physical reaction, but it's more than that, too. In the New Testament, we find two different but related words that refer to the experience that we call anxiety. First, we have the Greek word marimna, which is usually translated as care, worry, or anxiety. Second, we have the Greek word marizo, which means to draw in different directions or to distract. So when we put these two words together, we get a biblical definition for anxiety. Anxiety is to have a distracting care or to have our hearts and minds torn between two worlds. We see this in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8, where Jesus talked about thorns choking out the word of God in a person's life. He identifies these thorns as the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Anxious cares or distracting cares are often directly tied to our earthly lives, our momentary troubles, not eternal things. The distracting cares that we read about in Matthew 6, Mark 4, and Luke 8 cloud our spiritual vision. I wear glasses most of the time. I only take them off when I sleep. In fact, I have to wear them when I drive or I'm going to have problems. <laughs> I even wear them when I swim in the pool when we take our boys to the YMCA. Now, this isn't a problem for the first few minutes, but when our kids inevitably start splashing, my lenses get covered in water drops. 
And when the water dries, it leaves behind cloudy spots, making it impossible to see clearly. When our hearts and minds are fixed on momentary troubles, the things of this world, it clouds up our spiritual vision. When we're focused on the here and now, we tend to forget about the eternal promises that we have in Christ. God's word reminds us to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul wrote these words in Colossians 3 verse 2. When Paul encouraged Christians at the church at Colossae with these words, he was reminding them to spend their time pursuing a deeper knowledge of Christ through the word, to focus on how to apply that knowledge to their lives so they could successfully live for him and how to keep an eternal perspective on things. John chapter 16, verse 33, we read these words. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Anxiety shifts our focus from what's truly important. It has a way of causing us to see only what's in front of us, our momentary troubles, instead of focusing on God's promises. Explaining this truth, author Paul Touches wrote, Our worries exert great effort to keep our vision fixed on the horizontal, the things of the world, instead of on the vertical, the things of God. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus commands us not to be anxious about temporary things like food or clothing, but to instead look elsewhere. Matthew 6 verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? By looking at the birds of the air and the flowers of the fields, God's creation, we're able to shift our focus from our momentary troubles to our creator who promises to provide even better care for us than he does for them. Instead of allowing our hearts and minds to be distracted by our momentary troubles, Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Pastor Craig Groeschel at Life Church often says, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. I think there's a lot of truth to this statement. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we renew our minds and set our hearts on eternal things, we learn to trust God even more, relying on Him to meet our daily needs. Even when life gets busy or hectic, we can always look to God and His Word for peace, comfort, and confidence, rather than being fearful and anxious about our momentary troubles. So what earthly cares are currently distracting you? And what preoccupies your mind? I want to encourage you to think about this. Identify some of the temporary distractions that are taking up residence in your heart and mind. And then bring these things to God in prayer. In fact, if you're someone who likes to journal, you could write down a list of these things. Call it your personal care list. It's the cares of the world. The things that we really shouldn't be giving ourselves to. And then use scripture to counter them. Remember, for every lie that you and I believe, there's a truth of God to counter it. In Matthew chapter 6, anxiety can be defined as distracting care. It's keeping our eyes fixed on the things of this world instead of on the things of God. Let's turn our attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where the Apostle Paul 
gives us another way of understanding anxiety. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28, Paul wrote these words. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger of rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And, apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So Paul described his anxiety as daily pressure, daily pressure. His anxiety was the result of the physical or mental distress that he experienced. Physically, he was persecuted for his faith, driven out of town, shipwrecked, had many sleepless nights, went without food, and was subject to the elements. I would say this is enough to cause extreme anxiety. Mentally, he was always thinking about other Christians, the many churches that he'd helped plant and shepherd. Paul experienced pressure on top of pressure. His pressures were sometimes accompanied by despair, and some commentators believe this was a form of depression. And this shouldn't come as a surprise, since many people experience depression along anxiety. But Paul always knew where to turn during these times, and this is so key. He didn't sit and soak in his despair and anxiety. If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verses 3 and 4, Paul begins his letter this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul wrote this comforting promise while going through a very difficult season. Just a few verses later in verse 8, He wrote how he and his companions had experienced affliction when they were ministering in Asia. He wrote, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Yet in the midst of their physical and mental struggles, they turned their hearts and their minds to Jesus. The promise that God is the father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction is a promise that's for all believers for all time. And we're not apostles. And we certainly don't experience some of the things that Paul and many other first century Christians experienced. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his promises are for all believers at all times. While God does not cause our suffering and anxieties, he often allows us to experience these things in order to strip us of self-reliance, to build perseverance in our lives, and to ultimately make us more like Christ. Explaining why they had to experience these things, Paul himself wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. He said, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Commenting on this verse, Paul Touches wrote, Setting our hope on God alone, not on the lessening of our pressure or the improvement of our circumstances, is the ultimate remedy for anxiety. In verse 10, Paul wrote, On him we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. 
Paul and his companions encourage us to set our hope on Jesus. Hope delivers us from the crippling effects of anxiety because it helps us to cling to an immovable anchor, the truth that God is for us in Jesus Christ. Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The promise of deliverance and salvation in Jesus enabled these early believers to keep going, even in extremely difficult circumstances. And the same is true for you and for me. When we have moments of panic, we can stop take control of our thoughts, and choose to believe that God's love and provision for us in Christ is greater than any anxiety that tries to hijack our peace. I want to wrap up today's message with Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What an incredible promise. Next week, we're going to do more of a verse-by-verse study of Matthew 6, 25-34. We're going to learn more about how God cares for us and promises to provide for our needs, especially when we experience anxiety. This week, I want to encourage you to identify some of those distracting cares that tend to take up space in your heart and mind. And then bring those things to God in prayer, trusting that he is all you need.